podcast. I'm your host, Donovan McNabb, joined with Armando Segarro. Let's not waste any time. Let's give you the information that's kind of been out there right now. We just had an interview yesterday with the great Jerry Jones, the one who's so informative during his interviews, will tell you any and everything that you least expected and things that you probably expected. So when asked about his coaching uh, decision of will Mike McCarthy will be his head coach to continue to lead him possibly to a Super Bowl. Jerry decided to defer a little bit and talk a little bit about how great Bill Belichick is and and to talk that he could work with Bill Belichick and things would work out. Uh, the age difference is really that far apart from each other, but uh, Bill would be able to do a great job and he loves everything that Bill's been able to accomplish. Not really supporting his head coach or his quarterback. Uh, he mentioned something about, you know, uh, world Dak took us as far as Dak could take us. And as a former quarterback, that's not a full support of having a guy as the face of your franchise and the guy who really takes all the bullets when it comes to negative conversation about the Dallas Cowboys. They always seem to point the finger at Dak, talk about his flaws, continue to say that this is – Something that we all expected because it's the Cowboys when Dak Prescott is your quarterback. And he never showed the full support for Dak Prescott. But Armando, when you look at where we are right now in the offseason, the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones talking, is this more of a marketing ploy or did he really drop the ball with this interview? Well, so when I look at that, uh, it, it's hard for me to look at that because I can't <laughs> take my eyes off of those curtains behind you. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> what the hell? It's what my backdrop. Well, I'm bringing the 80s, 70s, 80s vibe back. So <laughs> more of trying to get you woosan and uh, get you relaxed. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so my wife was talking about like getting a dress for the Super Bowl next week and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna show her this this uh this show and tell her get get a dress with that with that print. I so I don't have to take you anywhere. Because I'll say no, please don't wear a dress with that print. Oh my god. I, I'm in LA. I'm I'm on the road. I'm headed back home today. Uh so I'm just doing it remotely and just kind of changing the vibe a little bit. I right got now. you. I got you. So now this is the first step, I think, Donovan, in the Bill Belichick haunting the NFL uh, phase of our program. And it's going to happen for the next year unless Bill Belichick gets some sort of completed Hail Mary and becomes the head coach of the Washington <laughs> Commanders. That's the only job that's left open. There is no other opportunity for Bill Belichick to be a head coach in 2024 unless he lands that job. And as we've spoken of before on this show, I mean, I think it makes sense, but uh, apparently it's a youth movement and Bill Belichick is too old and everybody's over, you know, 50 years old is too old now. And so that's the end of that. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so any what you have with the Cowboys is 
Jerry Jones talking about, I can work with Bill Belichick. He's a friend. We get along. What does that do to Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy now is... Anytime he loses next year, anytime he does something Mike McCarthy-ish, the what name is going to come up immediately around the Dallas Cowboys and their media? Bill Belichick. It's it's right. Yeah, he yeah. is you, the ghost know, of Belichick. The funny thing, Armando, when you look at that whole dynamic, and we still have to figure out if their defensive coordinator is going to be up for it. He possibly could get uh, the Washington Commanders job as well because. We haven't heard of any candidates who have been in for interviews in Washington because when you think of it, it would have been perfect for the defensive coordinator who now is the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. You would have thought he just would have drove over from Baltimore to Washington just for an interview, or they would have tried to bring in Johnson, the offensive coordinator of Detroit, which he came out to say he's staying with the Detroit Lions, which I personally think that that's a smart move in his regard because Bigger jobs will open up probably next the next two years. Um, and then you have a guy like Eric Bieniemy who was on staff that was interviewed by a few teams. I think he had two interviews, uh, but they never mentioned where. He may end up being like David Cully, or I should say, I mean, he may be like the Houston Texans situation, which they end up having to have Eric Bieniemy as their head coach because no one's going to take the job. And so with the Washington Commanders, it's either Bill Belichick or it could be Gus Bradley or Eric Bieniemy. because, I mean, personally, I don't think anyone is that interested in their Washington Commanders job. Yeah, and again, it's like he's not good enough to be in the NFL with any other team, but the name is you know, it, it resonates well enough to be the, the, the hammer that is held over <laughs> accomplished head coaches. Right. I would have fired Mike McCarthy. I, I'm going to be straight out. I think that's not a secret on this podcast. I don't think that he is the guy to take the Dallas Cowboys over the hump, so to speak. I don't think he's a great playoff coach. And his history proves that he's not great in the playoffs. He's proven it with the Cowboys the last few years. Great in the regular season, uh, but not in the playoffs. And you also have the issue of Bill Belichick mm. kind, of, kind of resonating in Philadelphia, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni saved his job. And, and did a great job of, of, at the end of the season, telling Jeffrey Lurie, we're going to change things. You know, he fired his offensive coordinator. He's fired. Defensive coordinators. S, plural. Yeah. The janitor, he, he fired. <laughs> everybody. everybody. Yes. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, they fired Sean Desai, who is their defensive coordinator. They replaced him with Matt Patricia. And then now they've hired Vic Fangio, who, who basically is the guy who ran the same defense that Sean Desai was running. 
uh, because Sean Desai learned under Vic Fangio. So they're back to square one, except with a more experienced, you know, defensive coach. They're going to run the same stuff that failed for them on defense last year. They're running the same stuff in 2024. Well, well, the interesting part for the Philadelphia Eagles is, is that decision-making. And I came out and talked about it on this show, and I talked about it on WIP. Um you know, on my call, local call-ins on Monday. And, and I talked about, really, the one that's on the hot seat is Howie Roseman. And I said that because everyone wanted to go right to the quarterback. Everybody wanted to go right to the head coach. Well, the decision-making of the players that have been brought in uh, in his draft picks as of late really just kind of hasn't panned out yet. Now, to say yet, I'm still giving them time and sitting back. Now, there were older by having Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox still there. Um, and was that kind of holding back the progress of Davis uh, and allowing Carter to kind of get full reign as a rookie, which I don't think that that was a good move. I mean, I thought with the, the way they handled it was perfect for, for Jalen Carter, of uh, giving him, I think he had 25 to 35 snaps a game. Um, but they just haven't been able to, uh, assure up the middle of that defense, meaning their linebacking core and their safeties, which they've lost both of their safeties. Their linebackers have, have moved on, but they have drafted uh, in that regard, and they just weren't good enough. Uh, Bradbury struggled last year. Slay went out with a knee injury and missed a few games and, and came back. So I just think with that defense, it's more about the players than the scheme. And when it comes to the players, you look at Vic Fangio, and we talked about it, you kind of had Xavier and Howard on one side, and then Jalen Ramsey came back. So at least from the island standpoint, those guys do a great job on the outside. Now their safeties can be a little bit aggressive, uh, and their linebackers were flowing. Now losing Bradley Chubb, uh, was it yeah Bradley Chubb in that Baltimore game really hurt them later going into the playoffs. But it's more about the players than the scheme, and that's what we'll see possibly unless free agency and draft. Uh, elevate this year for that defense to get better. Yeah, and, you know, with the Eagles uh, and and Vic Fangio, it's a strange, it's a strange union. Mm -hmm. and, and in Miami, Vic Fangio had a unit that they produced to a degree. Correct. degree they needed, but they produced – um, and it didn't mesh. It was like the, the, the older, you know, old school coach with this young buck kind of uh, roster and they yeah. doing it their way and yeah. Joe wants to do it his way. Correct. And Ramsey wanted to travel with, with the best receiver. The number one receiver. And and Vic Fangio likes to play his left left and his right right and that's it and yeah. and they didn't mix they didn't mesh and the players complained which by the way that's pretty weak uh, Vic Fangio has has done way more in the NFL than any player on the Miami Dolphins defense has accomplished way more, and has a better reputation than practically every single player on that defense, except for maybe Jalen Ramsey. And yet they're 
they're arguing with him or unhappy with him. Get a life. Get. I mean, grow. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that guy has gotten more defense than you've ever known. And so, give me a break with that. Um, but the reason <laughs> we get off my lawn, get him, Armando. <laughs> Yeah. Put them up, put them up, put them up. Damn kids. <laughs> um, but the reason we're talking about that is because if it goes sideways next year for Nick Sirianni, again, running the same defense again, um, guess whose shadow also will be over that situation? Bill Belichick. It's like, the shadow of Bill Belichick, the ghost of Bill Belichick, is going to be everywhere in 2024. Well, it's, you know, Vic Fangio's up there in age, too. I think Vic Fangio might be, what, 65? Um, you know, and so I know he's not far from Bill if if he's there at Bill. You know, it's I know he has family that lives in, in Pennsylvania, uh, and they talked about that, so now... Uh, he can be closer to home and, and the family would definitely be there. But I, I just think for at this situation, you talked about the ghost of Bill Belichick. And then you also talked about the expertise and the experience of Vic Fangio calling plays in this league and, and the reputation that he has. Well, you look at kind of Bill Belichick and you look at his last five years and it hasn't been stellar. And so, remember, the conversation with Bill was, can he do it without Tom Brady? And the first year with Mac Jones, when they drafted Mac Jones, it was a pretty decent year. Pro bowler, um, you know, you had kind of the eyes and, and the mentality of, okay, Mac's on the rise. Uh, and then his decision-making from the GM and from the decision-maker, uh, the draft, and, and then the coaching situation of not having an offensive coordinator and not and appointing two people to run the offense being Judd and also Patricia, which both of them really never called plays. Patricia was on defense. Uh, so he was, I guess, the guy that was combating with Judd who was fired from the Giants. And then they hurt Mac Jones in his process, his development process, for the next couple of years. And we see where Mac Jones is, which – I think New England ends up probably trading Mac Jones somewhere and drafting a quarterback, possibly May, uh, in the draft, or or maybe Jalen Daniels. Who knows? But I just think for Bill Belichick, that is, those are things you have to question as well, even though that he's late in his career and his resume is longer than anybody else that's coaching right now. Yeah, so I, I think we've talked about how – Absolutely. Bill Belichick and everybody goes to the low hanging fruit of Bill Belichick without Tom Brady has been a poor coach right. and under 500. And that is absolutely true. The more I think accurate statement is Bill Belichick, the general manager, destroyed Bill Belichick, the coach. He his his decisions as the head of the organization's personnel department was terrible. Right. And were terrible. And I could, there's examples after examples after examples. Uh, you know, they they picked Sonny, Sonny Michelle. He went to Georgia 
saw Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and picked Michelle in the first round. <laughs> and he he needed a wide receiver. He picked Nikhil Harry. Nikhil, yeah, Nikhil Harry, yeah, out of Arizona State. Yes, over uh, AJ Brown and and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. <laughs> like. Wow. Uh, and by the way, Metcalf and, and Brown were on the same campus <laughs> and playing for the same team. And looked like two, it looked like two trip. big bouncers. <laughs> looked like two big bouncers from a club. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and run like deer. Yeah. Uh, so so that was just it, 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 and it's one thing after another that failed. Um, and then of course the Mac Jones situation, which I had NFL scouts tell me, look, Mac Jones is a failure. And this was before uh, he was drafted. That guy's not good, they said. And then he had that really nice rookie year, and they were like, wow, I guess we were wrong. And then the last two years came along, and they're like, oh, I guess we were right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we were right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is in that draft with Mac Jones, remember Trey Lance, um, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, all of them were in that draft. And really, I mean, I would say probably the most successful quarterback of them all is Justin Fields. Uh, but there's still questions about what the Bears will do with him, knowing that Caleb Williams is coming out this year. Uh, so will he be on the trading block or will they decide to stay with, um, you know, Justin Fields? But let's move on to, uh, Seattle, where they have a quarterback in Geno Smith, uh, have an offense that has a few weapons with Walker, the running back, DK Metcalf. We talked about Lockett is is still a, a good premier number two option. Um, and they've shown that they can put points on the board. This defense has a few big names at the cornerback position. Um, their linebacking core, obviously, uh, being able to to call a defense and be experienced and and lead the tackles. I think, um, you know, their, their front four is, is serviceable. But what what they did decide to do is go and get Baltimore defensive coordinator uh, Mike McDonald, uh, a guy that we had talked about was going to be a hot name. And really, depending on what happened in that AFC championship game against Kansas City, which their defense played fairly well and was well prepared. Uh, but I think the Seattle Seahawks made that decision just because of, his resume this year or last two years, uh, also the way that he defended against San Francisco when Baltimore went to San Francisco and played well, the way that the, the team would play against the Rams, it's just it's a good fit because he knows how to defend and be able to compete with the 49ers and with the Rams. Um, not so much with the Arizona Cardinals because everybody defended well against the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, I, I just think for – you know, Mike McDonald and the Seattle Seahawks, it's a great marriage. Um, now it's really just putting the pieces together. Yeah, I have a little bit different take in that, in that once again, with my old guys, um, you know, they've, they've replaced Pete Carroll with a guy who is half his age. Uh, exactly half his age. Pete Carroll, 72 Mike McDonald, 36. Carry the yeah, half. <laughs> I did a little division there. Yes. 
all these and I you made a that was a great breakdown and reasoning of why you need Mike McDonald as your defensive coordinator in Seattle. Now you can stop you and hopefully you can stop um, the the scheme in Los Angeles with the Rams and, and Sean McVay and in San Francisco with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. But ultimately, Mike McDonald is not the defensive coordinator right. of the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to be the head coach. And we don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. And this just feels like they made the change to get younger, which is correct. Which is, I mean, it's an it's a reason, but is it a good reason? I, I don't know. Mike Mike McDaniel's experience to me is not does not yell, hey, you know what? I absolutely need to be a head coach in the NFL. I mean, two years as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, one year at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And before that, going back and forth in different places, I I get it. I just don't feel like it's a huge upgrade. We will see. uh, Look, again, with the older guys, I just don't believe that we're in a situation where Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and you said Ron Rivera um, uh, are not employed today in the NFL. But Brian Callahan, Gerard Mayo, and Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald are uh, how I look. I just I don't see it as upgrade. I see the situations. You know, the owner didn't love Mike Brabel there at the end because he wanted to do it his way, and now he's doing it his way at home. And Belichick obviously. Do it my way. Yes. <laughs> and, and Pete Carroll is now going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or something like that because he needs a challenge. Uh, and and Ron Rivera, I saw him at the airport the other day in Charlotte by going to interview for assistant coaching jobs. Ron, dude, brother, you're good. It, Whatever. Hey, the coach, and that's the thing. It's it's wild, but I understand where the game is. Remember, we just talked about Vic Fangio, where the players in Miami were questioning some of his decision making, and and it was an old school mentality of uh, the way that he was calling the defense, and the younger guys just weren't, you know, flowing with it. And that's where the game is now. You get you're going younger, and and the ones who started it pretty much were the guys that we just talked about. The Sean McVeighs, the Kyle Shanahan's, and the Matt Lafleur's. Where now you're looking at young, innovative-minded head coaches, offensively-minded head coaches, that are taking over organizations and drafting these young players to try to develop them to understand how to uh, attack and approach from a Rain Man standpoint, where X's and O's are flying around above your head, and it's like I'm gonna attack them by the ankles and go right by the knees and hips. And we're going to run a corner route with a lot of posts and then hit the back. And then people are just like, oh, we love that. We love, we want to get that same type of approach. But it doesn't always work out that way. And so for Mike McDonald in this situation, hey, I, I'm all for it. 
for a young guy having this opportunity. Uh, I'm all for it for the, the former offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting his opportunity in Carolina. Uh, I'm all for it for the Raheem Morris's. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it for the, you know, the Jim Harbaugh's coming back into the NFL from college. You know, so I'm just, it brings an, an excitement and a different energy when you have new faces and, and big questions instead of hiring the old guys, which I don't even put Mike Vrabel in that situation because Mike Vrabel's not that old. I think Mike Vrabel might be about, what, 51? Um, and so he's not that much older than me. So I just think for Mike Vrabel, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put him in that in that that whole old coaching realm because I think personally when you look at those guys that you mentioned the Bill Belichick's and, and the Pete Carrolls with that Washington Commanders situation Mike Vrabel will probably get a better opportunity with that than Bill Belichick and and also with Pete Carroll. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. The thing that, by the way, I I wouldn't put Mike Vrabel in the old guy category. I wouldn't put Raheem Morris in the young guy category. He's, Correct. He's, he's, Correct. Raheem Morris, I don't equate him with the Callahan, Mayo, no. uh, McDonald thing. Those guys are in their early 30s, mid-30s. He's 47, and he's been, a, he's been on championship teams, and he's been there and done that for years and years. He deserves he – has, he has climbed the ladder. He has put in the work. We're, we're talking about Raheem? Raheem Morris? Yes, sir. In my, yes, in my opinion. Now, ooh, I called you sir. Wow. Um, and you're older than me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, and, and not as good looking either. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, I got other pluses. Um, I just can't think of any right now. Um, what you have with these young coaches is now they, they're going to look. The whispers down at the, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile and I know because I've I've talked to one of the guys, the Patriots are struggling in their interviews to find an offensive coordinator. Right. It's not 
as seamless as you might think. Gerard Mayo, I'm sure, is going to run a, a tight ship on defense. He's a defensive player, right. he's a defensive coach. He's been the defensive coordinator. He knows he knows what's going on on defense. He hasn't a clue about offense. The guy that they hire on offense has to run and be the basically the head coach of the offense. And it it I'm hearing that it's not going as well as they. Uh, it's a little off. Let's put it that way. Right. Um. You've got you you got McDonald. Really? So he he's got to hire an offensive head coach because you know whatever uh, he's a defensive coach, and you've got you know um, so Callahan is a first time thirty seven thirty eight year old head coach who's always been a court an offensive coordinator, and he's hiring a first time young defensive coordinator who's never been a defensive coordinator. So unless they are the next coming of the Houston Texans, where they had a first-time head coach and a first-time offensive coordinator, it's going to be very interesting how it works out in Tennessee because there's going to be uh, fits and starts. It's, it's going to be a little clunky there for a minute. Well, it, it's, and this is when you start to bring on experienced guys to be, become defensive consultants this is when you bring bring these older veteran coaches with experience to help out these young guys, which you hopefully you don't have to make the change like Philly did, where all of a sudden midseason you're you're having a guy step down and you're promoting the old guy now to call the plays. You know, stepping over toes is tough for any of the young guys that are on staff and, and have a prominent role. And then you look over your shoulder and you have this guy who's got 30 years of experience of coaching uh, in the NFL, and he's trying to help you out. Um, and so I, I just think for where we are in the league, that those decisions are going to be one that I think we have to take a look at because that, that's what's going to make or break a lot of organizations. It's not going to be so much of the head coach, but it'll come down on the head coach and his decision-making. And for Gerard Mayo, you have to change up that, that offense. The energy – of what the offense used to be and what it what it's been since Tom left. Even when Tom was there, it was still kind of dry. It was it was one in which you had Gronk and Hernandez. Then you just had Gronk. Uh, then we had, you know, Edelman from West Welker when you got Randy on the outside. And then it was, hey, we went and got Nicole Harry. Uh, and then it was, you know, also get back to the slot receiver. And it's like, let's move the ball around and, and maybe find us a thousand yard rusher, uh, a running back that can that can run the ball and set up some play action game. That's where I think Mac Jones can become successful. If you bring back that old school type of West Coast offense vibe where he's turning around and handing the football off, he's under center in shotgun a little bit of times, maybe about 25 to 30 percent of the time. Other than that, he's under center, uh, maybe incorporating a tight end slash fullback that can move and block downhill and also catch the ball out in the flat. Uh, that's what makes, I think, Mac Jones successful in this league instead of so much of in the shotgun, 
trying to complete balls all 15 to 18 to 20 yards, and then he never had a strong arm, and then you're trying to stretch the field consistently. That's not what's going to make Mac Jones click and be successful. Yeah, you know what's going to make Mac Jones click is is next year when New England, with the number three overall pick, uh, finds a quarterback and picks him, and those two guys are going to compete in camp, and Mac Jones loses the competition, and now he's on the bench, and he's going to be clicking with the, you know, the iPad or whatever it is, the the. But tablet. you can't. That's. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in drafting a quarterback and having the four, the quarterback that was there have to compete with this young rookie? And what is his chances of actually beating him out when you just drafted this guy? Mac Jones beat out Cam Newton, right? As a rookie. really, I mean, that's like me. That's like me coming back to compete with a young guy right now. Like Cam was coming off a shoulder injury. Cam was also on the street trying to be picked up. He was picked up by New England. It was during COVID. Uh, and so that's a tough, that's a tough draw. That wasn't actual competition. They allowed Mac to sit and learn on the Cam while Cam, you know, played decent. I mean, he struggled at times, but played decent. And then he was he was asked to slide in and the rookie's ready to go, which you know, from a mental standpoint and being well-prepared, he's had former NFL coaches coaching him at Alabama. So he understood about the pro game from a mental standpoint. Would he be able to adjust his speed of the game? He didn't have the arm strength, but he still played with great players at Alabama. Would that translate to the field? And it, his rookie year, yes, it did. But for longevity, it hasn't. All I know is that... uh Every coach I've ever talked to says competition is better than not having competition. True. So if you have a rookie that was the third overall pick come in and compete with Mac Jones or mm -hmm. in any situation, look, the Jets, the Jets are a, uh, not the Jets, excuse me, the Giants. The Giants have a $40 million a year quarterback. They're going to try to find a quarterback. They're going to try to find a quarterback to come in and he's going to have a chance to play early in the season because Daniel Jones may or may not be hurt. That means that he's going to get some play in the preseason and in camp. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're very committed to Kenny Pickett, but you know what? There's mm. competition. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, they're, they're really committed. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Look, if you can't compete, don't be in the NFL. That's. Well, but I'm I'm not saying it in that regards. I'm saying it more for you if you decide to draft either Mayor Daniels in that early pick. You have to trade away Mac Jones to try to get some assets. Try to get some some picks for Mac Jones instead of having them sit for a year because if he ends up losing the spot, then you've lost probably higher draft picks because you've already pretty much dumped him uh, in that regard. And he's not your starter. He can't beat out. It'll be, he could beat out the rookie. And so I think if they, they decide to go quarterback in that pick, they put him up in the trading because to be honest with you, there are a few teams that could use Mac Jones services. And Mac Jones isn't, he's not awful by any means. Mac Jones just weren't able to develop in these ah. last couple of years, but his rookie year he's shown. I think when you look at 
teams like Pittsburgh, when you look at teams like the Denver Broncos, when you look at teams that could use a quarterback right now who's accurate uh, at times, uh, and then also um, he's a guy that can distribute the ball out if you're doing your quick game and quick intermediate passing game. He's that guy. And that's why I said Pittsburgh. And then also I look at what what Sean Payton was looking for and what he's used to coaching with Drew Brees is this type of quarterback. Not the strongest of arm, but can be accurate, complete 70% of his passes, 68% of his passes, all kind of dink and dunk and move the ball. And I think those are two teams that I think could be looking at possibly getting a quarterback in and, and trading. So – the the points you made about Mac Jones are the points that I would say the New England Patriots should make for keeping him and keeping him as their backup. We saw last year in the NFL that starting quarterbacks, they're understandable. Understandable. <laughs> and he's right? still on the rookie deal. And he's still on the rookie deal, but starting quarterbacks are are, you know, here today gone the next play because it's a it's a rough league and guys go out and Correct. got guys going out and there's value in having a backup quarterback with experience there's value of having a backup quarterback that that has kind of played and been there and 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 not done that at least right. but it has been there and plus who's going to give up a lot for for Mac Jones. I don't. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I think you can probably with Mac Jones. I think you can be able to get a second round and a fifth. I think. A oh no! A sec, I think you can be able to get a, a, a late second rounder or early third and a fifth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I That's just talked about it. Manager. Talk about it. You, instead of like, okay, so let's 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 go by the backups. The backups who played this year. Um. You know, obviously, we're not going to add Zappy because Zappy came in and sparked you for, for a cup of coffee uh, <laughs> with with them. Is is he better than the backup for the Oakland Raiders or not Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders? Uh, O'Connell, no, yeah. huh? uh, no. I mean, they're they're kind of birds of a feather, to be oh, honest. Okay, well, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, is he better than Zach Wilson? Yes, but Zach Wilson is a failed quarterback. In the same draft in the same draft class. Yeah. yeah. The in way the I see Mac Jones is the way the Indianapolis Colts saw Gardner Minshew and what? that they drafted their guy and and then they had Gardner Minshew in the background. You can draft your guy if you're the New England Patriots and have Mac Jones in the background. It's a new coach, it's a new day. You get we're going to start over. It's going to be fine. I know you cry a lot and you want to, <laughs> but just relax. It's a new day. So and now you got a top 15, you got a top 15 quarterback that you drafted in the first round. Now becoming back your backup. That he's no longer the top 15 quarterback. Don, uh, Donovan. Uh, he is now the guy that failed as the starter. Bailey Zappi was starting ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, but this, this this is what I'm saying, and this is why um, San Francisco traded Trey Lance. Uh, this is why the Chicago Bears are thinking about trading Justin Fields. This is why the New York Jets 
are in the situation they are when they brought over Aaron Rodgers, where now you have to play Zach Wilson. It doesn't go well, of course, and now you got to figure out who wants Zach Wilson because you can't have Zach in the building to be your backup when Aaron is so-called coming back because he's, you know, healthy enough. You have to make a decision, and I think those decisions with all those quarterbacks that came out in that draft class will be at new different locations, I think, beginning of next season. I just think that when they're not this Justin Fields, there's still a question of whether he's going to be good or not. Trey Lance, there's still a question of whether he he's going to be good or not. And you're talking about guys that were picked in the top, whatever, 10 or something. Trey yeah. Lance, number three overall. Zach Wilson, there's no question. Uh, and, and Mac Jones, there ain't no question no more. There, uh, you're not going to find a bunch of teams going, Mac Jones, okay. There, there's not going to be none of that. Um, and, but you make a great point. All those names you mentioned, it's because all there's a bunch of teams in the NFL already for next year, for 2024, that are a mess. Yes. Major messy problems. Exactly. Exactly. And and one, it's it's really interesting. But let's go back to the Jets uh, and Robert Sala and his Ooh. issues that he has going on. And Zach Wilson kind of is really on low man on the totem pole when it comes to having Aaron Rodgers, who's there. And Robert Sala seems to be trying to cater to Aaron Rodgers. And really everyone in that organization has given Aaron free reign for decision-making. And what is this doing to this football team? Obviously, the young guys are, are are falling in love with Aaron because Aaron wasn't out on the field and Aaron has experience and they grew up watching Aaron Rodgers. Probably some of them had Aaron Rodgers' jersey back in middle school while, while he played. Who knows? But is it killing this organization going forward with allowing Aaron Rodgers to give the last so say-so? with decisions that are going with Robert Sala. So the Jets, we know, look, Zach Wilson was a problem for them, right? Because right. he is, by all accounts, a draft bust now. Uh, right. He didn't perform for, for three years in a row. And that's a problem. Right. What they got with Aaron Rodgers was a guy who on the field is not a problem, but he wasn't on the field. Right. Off Field, he's a problem. And mm -hmm. the reason he's a problem off the field is because he comes with his own personal offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett, who by every account was not good at being the Jets offensive coordinator. He comes with the, the need to have his guys around him. There's no other team that wanted Randall Cobb in the NFL this year. But the Jets went out and got Randall Cobb because Aaron, Aaron wanted him. Aaron wanted him. Right. And, Lazard. And Lazard. Lazard a lot of money. And the backup uh, that came from Green Bay, I forgot his name, ever since he threw a, 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 a Hail Mary that got pick six. It's like a 99-yard pick Hail Mary pick six. Un unbelievable. Uh, but the Jets found a way to do it. And it was an Aaron Rodgers quarterback friend that did it. My point is they got all the the bad of Aaron Rodgers and none of the good. Right. And 
Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers, who were eight and nine under with Aaron Rodgers in 22, they were they were better without Aaron Rodgers in 23. Um, the Jets are, you know, Robert Sala wanting the endorsement of of Aaron Rodgers so he could keep his job. That's a weird situation, and I don't see that as a a winning situation right now. Well, the tough part, I think, in, in this situation, meaning for Robert Sala in this offseason um, and really the first two quarters of the season, everything's riding on it. Because remember, there were questions if if they would fire Robert Sala and go another another direction. And maybe Aaron endorsed him because he's allowing Aaron to have free reign to do whatever he wants over there. I mean – Really, the thing that made Matthew Matthew um, Hackett the the offensive coordinator that allowed him to to really sustain his position was the whole Sean Payton drama, because now that brought his name into light. He had the whole team supporting him. They beat the Denver Broncos. Everyone was all excited. But when you started to go back to the X's and O's and watch how things have been transpired with the offense with the Jets, nothing excited you. And nothing that that made you feel like, well, if Aaron was out there, it would be different. So the way that his him calling plays uh, and how this offense was structured, you had Dalvin Cook complaining that he wasn't getting play time. Then you had their their running back who was coming off an injury. He wanted more carries. Then you had your tight end who's one of the better young tight ends in the league not getting opportunities. Then you have uh, Garrett Wilson who – who wants more opportunities and, and talking, you know, getting upset because he wasn't catching, getting opportunities of targets uh, during games. And the list goes on. So I just think for Robert Sala, this offseason with the draft, with free agency, really has to stand strong where it looks like you're moving and making the right decisions yourself to help this ball club instead of saying, well, when Aaron gets back, Uh, He's our starting quarterback. He's our leader. He's going to get us where we need to go. You know, the NFL every year and starting in the offseason, every offseason, it's a fight to see who becomes the best team at the end of that season. It's it's, you know, like in my mind, I imagine guys climbing over each other, pushing each other down to try to get ahead of each other, that kind of stuff, kind of like me at the buffet. And (laughs) But this offseason, it's a fight not to be terrible. Yes. You've got teams that got major problems that they need to fix to simply be not. Relevant. Yeah, to be relevant. Not dysfunctional. Right. Uh, We mentioned the Steelers. They've got a quarterback issue, and they're going to have a competition, and they don't know who the other guy is going to be in that competition. It could be. Rudolph, uh, or not, but they're going to get a quarterback competition. The Buffalo Bills, they're going to try to uh, cut Stephon Diggs' salary. Sean McDermott doesn't know if he's going to call the defense or not. It's like they got a a, a young defensive coordinator. It that's they got they've got issues. You've got uh, Micah Parsons complaining in Dallas about. You didn't get enough players to go all in. You say you're all in, Jerry Jones, but 
we weren't all in because you didn't do the thing that we needed to be all in. And now you, so he's only the most important defensive player on that team. And he's complaining. We talked about the Patriots, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to lose T Higgins and they're starting right tackle Jonah Williams because they can't afford them. And they just lost their offensive coordinator. And Oh, by the way, their star starting quarterback who happens to be the highest paid player in, in the building in the NFL, in the NFL, and he's injury prone now. So yeah. you got to fix that, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, all these teams, you got the Eagles with their weird weirdness. You, you got the Cleveland Browns with their, you know, Joe Flacco coming back and being, uh, you know, Mr. Everything, and your starting quarterback is coming back off of shoulder injury. Your running back is coming back off of injury. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of questions. And then, you know, you talk about these young teams like the Houston Texans and what we've seen. What are we expecting to see from them going forward? You know, Green Bay, uh, you know, what's going to happen in, in L.A. with the Chargers and, you know, Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh. Well, I'm, yeah, you know, you bring the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos has no – they have no quarterback. You know, Trevor – you know, they have no quarterback. You know, so is Sean Payton really the guy out there with the Denver Broncos, you know, and then Antonio Pierce, what's he really going to do with with the Vegas, the, the Raiders? So I, I just think I'm with you in that regard. Uh, it's going to be one that definitely will be interesting and we'll keep an eye on it. Um, but let's, let's leave a little bit on the bone for our listeners and our, our viewers, Armando and Let's go and grab us some hot breakfast with some pancakes and some some waffles and some eggs. Uh, maybe some French toast. French toast. French, French toast. French <laughs> cinnamon. French Throw the cinnamon on top. So please join us back again next week here at the Five Spot when we dive a little bit more into the decisions that are going on with a lot of these NFL teams. Who may get hired? Who may get fired? There's a lot of questions going on. So join us back here at the Five Spot on Tuesday as we give you more.